think again, it comes back to uh, individualizing. So you, you talk about performance. So from a conditioning point of view, you know, where my deficits or what do I need to be able to tolerate to get back up to that level? You, uh, rather than sort of saying, you know, every serious injury is calf weakness. That's a piece of it. But so is, so is your explosiveness. So is your running mechanic. And so having a very broad, all the components that can contribute to that injury. Hello and welcome to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. Make sure if you haven't already to subscribe to my YouTube channel to receive a notification and never miss a live interview. I hope you enjoyed this interview and please share with a friend or a teammate that you think will value this episode. Let's go. Welcome back to the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. My name is Jack McLean. I'm your host. And today my guest is Indic of Performance and Development Aspatar. And our key topic for today's chat will all be about uh, developing a resilient athlete, uh, insights into developing strength and mitigating injuries. So really important for strength conditioning coaches working with uh, field-based athletes, uh, high performance managers, rehab coaches, uh, and of course, developing athletes if you're tuning in. And you want to stay healthy, uh, get out of the notebook and, and take down some notes. But thanks for joining us, Endo. Really looking forward to this chat, mate. My pleasure, Jack, and appreciate the invitation. No doubt majority of the audience will know about your work, but for those few that don't, do you mind providing a bit of a background? I guess you how you found your passion for the industry and uh, some of the work you've done along the way. Yeah, so I'm currently head of, of, of performance development here at Aspatar um, by, by trade and by back background and um, but over time kind of evolved uh, in terms of strength and conditioning and biomechanics and um, to to try and and provisions um, for, for the athletes that i was looking after and um, my current divided into into some elite athlete care mostly to come to visit us here in doha and um, i'm involved in uh, care among our staff here proving that on an annual basis and um, and then on special projects, how we and how we supportive all of us clinicians and coaches on an ongoing basis. So, Darren, uh, here about a year and a half now, and um, it's it's far exceeded all. all. And for those uh, that have influenced your career, who would be some sort of strong mentors, if you like, along your way to help shape your philosophy? Yeah, I was having a, a think about this. Um, I think um, I've been very very lucky. And I work with some really good coaches and clinicians, and that's from kind of when you're a young athlete and you're being treated by by physios of two or three back at home in Ireland. To you know, I was kind of inspired to to, to follow the care they were delivering, and I was fortunate enough, and etc., to to get to work in a place called Sports Surgery Clinic in Dublin. Um, clinicians there, Andy Franklin Miller in Falvey, uh, Ray seven or eight hundred ACL reconstructions a year um, and Aradel Fanning Neil Welsh Sam Bader Colin Griffin and so massively influenced by those that you were around and and in what you learned from them but all organise your own thoughts based on, on how you bounce off them and um, practice from a rehab and performance point things are around motor control and motor learning you know how, how do we create an environment where athletes can evolve how they move whether a rehabilitation point of view and the likes of Franz Boff, Nick Winkleman, you know, have, have and lots of others, Ian Jeffrey, how 
you organize your exercise selection and how you create an environment. But um, at, and then on the flip side of it, in terms of biomechanics, HD, um, the likes of, of Chris Richter, of really uh, and Ruda Kotsavaki are work really focusing in on how we measure human movement and not tell us um, and and how is my practice of stuff I can do lots of do lots of rehab but then when you reassess are you just spending time um, so I think it, it it's by, by who you work with and the opportunities you have especially here now in Aspidar but there are certain things around strength conditioning uh, motor control those those uh, changes have been most influential yeah thank you for sharing it from a highlights perspective uh, what moments or experiences sort of spring front of mind that you're most proud of uh, to be able to achieve so far over your career yeah I think it's 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 um you're a little bit older Jack it's amazing how your career slips by pretty quickly and 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 I've been very fortunate to to be older I did my master's in in, in Curtin University uh, I really enjoyed that that was a very very uh, influential uh, I was very fortunate to my my PhD in biomechanics uh, um, and found that very, very influential along with different strength and conditioning. When you look at career highlights, like my goal was always to be, you know, uh, and it's up to others to judge whether you are or not, but, you, you know, as you um, start to get your first one, one or two Premier League players or NFL players, start to do consultancy for a couple of bigger franchises like, uh, um, as you get a job like I have here in Aspitar you know these up you know unbeknownst but they're really a, a consequence of, of what's gone beforehand so again I feel very fortunate I've had opportunities to work with good people and study in good places and a lot of the high from those experiences and the opportunities afterwards that they afforded me no doubt and on the flip side mate significant challenges that you faced over your career and how did you grow uh, what did you sort of learn from those experiences? Um, in in your in your early career, um, you know a bit of everything and nothing of anything, and so it can be a bit of to look at. You know, how, how do I start to evolve my career? Um, I think with that you reach and be focused on a hundred different things and not necessarily be evolving or in any of them. Um, a book I found really really interesting called um, So Good They Can't Ignore You by, by Cal Newport to you kind of you know review where you, um, you're good at some things you're not so good at other th- things or not not that you're not so good at them but not as good as you how do you set challenges and opportunities for yourself on an annual basis and I think that's a current that's a constant work in progress regardless of what stage you are in your career especially boxes you, you do your masters you do your PhD but how do you continue to make sure going I suppose you 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 ignition whether that's a culture whether that's a physio or a clinician, but then as you you drift more, more into management and leadership and stuff like that, which is an entirely different uh, to what you you are supposedly good at, as it from a technical point of view. So, so evolving those skills um, around, around team development strategy and around motivating people, the tank their direction on a constant basis um, that. Uh, as you come from the from the air that that's an entirely different skill set and, and it's thoroughly enjoyable but certainly something that progress absolutely well we'll dive straight into the topic in terms of developing resilient athletes um, both from a strength 
conditioning point of view, but also to mitigate injuries. Uh, I guess to kick it off, what does uh, developing resilient athletes sort of mean to you? Yeah, I think if we resilience helps you know to tolerate the demands of the sport and, and to consistently uh, to consistently be, be able to perform. I, I was very recently a few franchises and, and a quote that was on one of the walls of the NFL teams was an ability. I, I I thought that really you know hit home quite a grind NFL season. You can be very good, but if you're not available for select form, then what you see to the franchise? And so it is having the ability for their body to tolerate the demands of the basis and to be able to tolerate the natural fluctuations that you're less in, in, in picking up knocks and niggles and bangs that game and to be able to continue to, to develop. Um, through, um, there's a number of different components owns that it's obviously very individualized the uh, the tour for the France last night and you, you look with the resilience of them and the demands of their sport what they're trying to do over 20 days is quite, quite incredible versus the ability to tolerate a, a, a Premier League season or or an it comes back to understanding that individual athlete their strengths and weak between what you're asking them to do and what they're able to do and, and then targeting tar- and I guess what are some common misconceptions when it comes to uh, injury mitigation for for athletes? Uh, how, how could you sort of dispel them? I think a, a lot of our profile tends to focus on one thing. So like, you know, exercise prevents injury or if you load manage that prevents whatever else. And in the reality is, it, you know, it, it, we're, we're primary approaches to a group group of athletes who are all very, very different history, their training load, their very injury history, etc. One of, of, of the big, big myths is that there's a silver bullet when there isn't, or at least in my experience, there isn't that every, every looking to build robust athletes, it's always around their anatomy and um, specifically to their sport and the training and playing load. So like if you have a very, very hip or a very degenerate patellar tendon, what it can tolerate is very different as an example. And you need to work around that and modify accordingly. If you're a very young athlete coming into the senior ranks, the training load that you've tolerated recently is what you're going to be asked to do in the, in the near future. With lots of hamstring strengthening, but that doesn't mean that you're not going to put your hamstring sprinting things and therefore how you move uh, also comes into it. So I think a silver bullet, if you do, do this, you'll, you'll stop all of this type of injury if you do that things have been shown to be more effective than others but the, that individual and all those processes and that's probably where you're going to be more successful yeah thank you for sharing that that it's uh it's a great i guess mindset for athletes to have it and also coaches uh, in keeping it real in terms of i guess practical tips for both athletes and coaches um what do you find is uh, over the years have you found is sort of what are the basics? What are the most, you know, what are your big rocks when it comes to, uh, you know, rehabilitating athletes and making sure they return back to confidence and, and return back to performance? Back to um, individualizing. So you talk about performance. So from a conditioning point of view, you know, where my deficits or what do I need to be able to tolerate to get back up to that level? You, um, rather than sort of saying every injury is calf weakness 
Uh, that's a piece of it. But so is, so is your explosiveness, so is your running mechanics. And so having a very broad, all the components that can contribute to that injury, how relative to that uh, is very constantly measuring and remeasuring. measuring uh, um, we, we, we're at the minute recently, we talk a lot about, you know, people do a lot of rehab, they try very hard, which realize when they go, they're not able to perform their best or they get re-injured. Um, a clear idea of all the contributing factors, and I'm not constantly in the boxes as I go along. And next thing I do a six-week probe, only to read wasn't individualized or my body responded a little bit different to it and, and not modifying your core. And then from, I guess, the art side of things, like how do you, when you're working with an athlete one-on-one uh, or, or you're managing a group uh, of athletes, how do you find that balance on knowing when to, to push and when to pull back um, Yeah, in the moment? So obviously you've got your plan, um, but yeah, what, what are some of the key areas that you sort of take into account when you might scale the load or, or drop back the load or increase the load um, in session? Yeah, um, starting with, are very important you know you have an idea of what their strengths and weaknesses are and then what you want this training block naturally is a you know over for an intensive training block accumulates over time so building in those appropriate recovery periods are important um but, but you, you you need to provide a four-week block or a six-week block but again depending on their training history some athletes will be able to tolerate more or some athletes will be able to tolerate Right, let each session on its own merits and making sure that that we're maximizing the quality of that session is very important uh, and i think having in what you do so there's you know people become fatigued for various reasons it, it is often one of those things the body loves variety of stimulus of of conditioning there's lots of different ways of, of specific skills or developing hamstring strength just to pick three different qualities and so I, we need a consistency of theme and progressive overload uh, programming we need to build in as much variety and uh, um, be active mentally and physically and you know when I look back at some of my programs would be plateaued a little bit how much of that was an accumulation of fatigue or how much of it was a lack that you know could have allowed us to make you know on, ongoing changes uh, so I think Having a clear plan, program according, according to your stimulus, uh, but also from a psychological point of view, uh, is an area that requires a lot of planning. Uh, creates much more consistency in in your uh, program. And from a, um, I guess, going back to sort of uh, rehabilitation uh, for, I guess, groin injuries, um, what are some of the most important exercises do you feel uh, when if someone's got a groin pathology and they're, they're returning back to their field of sport, but um, they're in a phase where they might be just straight line running in the, in the current phase, um, what are some areas that you need to sort of develop in the gym to bridge the gap for what they're not getting in on the field yet to, you know, and to be able to prepare them for sprinting and agility? Groin injury, a muscular tendinous tear, obviously we need to redevelop the stream of that injured muscle group uh, so it can tolerate the load. Uh, I think a lot of injuries... The focus on rehab is the frontal plane and hip adduction in particular. They're very powerful hip flexors uh, and many of the injuries in terms of excel are more to do with the sagittal plane than they are alone to do with a, a kick. So I think training patterns of movement are getting strong 
in those muscle groups it's important for loaded groin injuries of pedductor groups uh, the low abdominals yeah and a lot of time on strengthening what where the injury is rather than identify that area become overloaded in the first place and you'll see lots of of, of you know who have very strong adductors and um, but their pelvic tilt which is influencing the all the adductors or the very poor which is is again causing compensations through through the adductors and again focusing away from where they're sore and focusing more on lumbar pelvic control in the gym during your movements your squat that's your deadlift press your bench press we all see people loads of bench pressing and you could drive a bus under that good trunk stability but also concurrently making sure and control around the foot and ankle and around the hip because very the consequence of what's not happening uh, properly in the distance of that area. Yeah, thank you for that. Actually, that, and I guess going from a technology, um, there's what, how has the advancements in sports science tech sort of changed your, your methods and principles when it comes to return to play? <clears throat> I, I think there is the ability, whether that is using GPS data of, of why we will always need my duction strength or my eyes and hamstrings, that doesn't tell me my jumping and landing mechanics or my run a change direction um, and so we get much better at seeing is my I set out to achieve uh, uh, or am I just doing lots of, and then sick because we've given it enough time but we perhaps haven't re, you know or addressed the consequence of that injury third better at, at individualizing the stimulus whether that velocity based training units or or uh, EM think we are in session able to use analogy much adding our pound flesh within that session good right reps of x sets but am i by achieving it yeah reps that have trained hard within that stimulus or day technology in session is allowing me we get the most of of each session time is valuable in a rehab going to the, the effort of, of, of executing those sets but are you really making the most value for money in terms of your time? So I think with the data that we have available, being able to programs in terms of biomechanics is, is improving and being able to make adaptation or we're getting the state is also improving and all of those things hopefully allowing for, for quicker transitions. And from the biomechanical point of view, like um, how quick do you like to see change with an athlete that you, you, know, you've, you may perhaps working with them in a full-time setting? Is that a matter of weeks where you start to, you'd like to see it? Is it within session um, with things like running gait? Um, yeah, talk us through that in terms of uh, yeah, changes that you like to see from a coordination point of view and, and efficiency. It, it, it's really interesting. Like the, There are the, the three pieces. Of it. It's it's the, the, the task that you ask them to do. It's the environment. And it's their, them as an individual. And so um, when, uh, underpinned by the physical qualities, so I, I give an exaggeration. If you have squads asymmetry of 50% after ACL injury, just to exaggerate, you can change their change direction mechanics without resolving those individual strength deficits. It's very important, you know, if you're going to be effective in, in influencing human design, physical qualities is going to be a key component of it. But assuming that you have those, um, you expect to see very nice changes within, say, a nice carryover between sessions. So certainly 
if I, I was um, one doing running mechanics just on on a treadmill, which obviously isn't sport specific, but just look at, um, you would look to see changes. Certainly, every seven to ten, with their change direction mechanics in the lab, you'd like to see very or very substantial changes. Is, um, and those in then that they will execute like that on the field of play. It means that their vocabulary is improved, that they have the the repertoire in the play. So I can do lovely change direction mechanics, but serving a serve at me, there's no way I'm going to organize my friction quick enough in order to be able to return it. So a lot of it then is the the, the I think if you have the baseline physical qualities, the the underlying running and change direction, if you create the right tasks and the right environment to change. In, in, in quite short periods of time. And that, look what you mentioned there um, resonated with me, so it doesn't necessarily mean that it, you have to see direct transfer in the context of playing the sport with the running mechanics, but um, you sort of look at it from the mindset that you've increased their vocabulary, they've got more, their movement competency in general, more options to move, and um, yeah, you've just made that athlete a more efficient athlete in general rather than specifically when they're playing the game. I tried to describe it the athlete in that you know, your baseline physics power they're like your 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 words your vocabulary your 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 that's how you start to bring that vocabulary together and then this the sport is whatever for song you're singing if you have a limit the vocabulary it's going to influence what you're able to do on the field of play there's, there's no perfect i have no idea what perfect is and for error i have in each of these qualities uh specific to my sport is i'll be able to perform my best and also be able to tolerate the demands of the game yeah, I love that. Thanks for thanks for um yeah, clarifying that's a, a good analogy. The um I guess the mental side of of uh rehabilitation it can be one of the lowest point and a lonely place for, for athletes. Uh, as a practitioner, uh how do you sort of approach that? Uh how do you get yourself, I guess, in a right mind frame to be able to support the athlete, um, but also stretch them and push them through um to be able to progress them in their training? Yeah, I think you, greater mental challenges I the big injuries, you know, like like an ACL or ones where uh, athletes have have done lots of rehab and and think how do we reframe within that? And so, so I think having great of your process about where they are as an individual athlete, their biomechanical diagnosis, what their strength is like, what their plyometrics are like, like how they adapt back to where you think they need to go, uh, and the level of conditioning they're leading doing the goal setting and saying for this block of rehab our goal is the next four weeks that will build on this and then when we've those two done we'll be ready to return it allows them to to cut the elephant up into small pieces on number one is that the block of work that's in front of them but also to have a grip in their program is contributing to resolving their problem and that not alone allows them to be motivated it improves their goal setting also it it's degree of self-efficacy in that right up now for return I can see each of the landmarks along the way my comp proves when I see myself ticking these boxes and having the metrics to show them um, and then as I said in the longer term rehabs it's just maintaining that bit of a hundred different ways of developing every physical quality the main thing is of every block can we reassess and show that what we've done has, has affected change can the athletes see how that's a piece of the jigsaw contributing to it so I think longer term injuries they get overwhelmed by the minute of time despite the fact quickly 
and in the recurrent injuries, they 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 struggle for a while and things haven't worked out. So being able to be very, very clear with them about you have a, haven't done the right things. I'm just saying today, this is how you look like and look like, like in order to give yourself the most chance of success. And, and here's what we want to do to, to get you there. And once the athlete starts not, against their buy-in and, and their motivation, the, their recalibration is really quick. And replenishing, make sure you take the boxes in, in a timely fashion and don't let them down. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that, Hinda. And from a, uh, a story's perspective, is there any that sort of stand out in your experience where perhaps uh, the traditional way of uh, returning an athlete from a groin injury, ACL, hamstring, um, wasn't working, they've had a few recurrent issues and you sort of had to think outside the box to, to return that athlete successfully? Yeah, I, I think, you know, we all say, you know, that, that all my athletes have got better. So it's easy to say, well, I've got better. So I think there have been a number of, of you know, chronic groin injuries where they've gone from due to surgery and not worked out and, and come back. But I think an even bit bigly is, you know, when you have an athlete that you rehabilitate it is at feel that they have come back and they want to come back for another block of work with you because they can see the value to their robustness and they can see the value to their I think that's when you really have buy in from the athletes in the process they understand what they need to do to get their individual body right to complement their sport specific trainer clubs and I think yeah um, for me that that's when you uh, a player looking to come back not because they're injured but because they want to expand their Robot made of a player coming because they've seen the other athletes doing X, Y, or it and then wanting to, you know, to know what their individual deficits are. I think that's what I feel, right? That the message is sinking in here. The players are buying in and taking, and no, no one cares about injury prevention when you're not injured. Like we're all we're less, but um, once we can tie that back into athletic development and individualizing it, I think people's compliance and buy-in and, and that's when you're when you're really winning when the athletes are driving the process rather than the or the or the coaches and uh bit of a uh, side question but i guess for the parents of developing athletes uh, or de- or younger athletes listening in that perhaps don't have the support of uh, a physiotherapist and strength and conditioning coach in their corner what would be some um helpful practical tips that they could apply to their weekly routine to ensure that um, yeah they're you know, to help the mitigate injury and, and have a, a long career. <laughs> yeah, I, it's really interesting. I saw this morning of, of, of um, Premier League, very, very big money and a picture of them um, when they were under four Premier League club because they, they, weren't, they weren't good enough. Um, and and, and there's now that selection in youth teams usually does not in all selection in senior teams are, are at the highest level. So I patient and and you know ensure that that you're 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 doing and nearly nearly all any all development issues that I I would see and obviously I'm biased by being from management uh, or sorry trying to 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 do, do too many things with too many sports and sports and um, so having periods of recovery built into your week ready uh, is hugely important. Um, and I think the second for 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 any athletes, um, regardless of a little bit better developed at the end of the season than at the beginning of the season, and so 
again, people are doing lots of stuff, but whether that's their, their gym, again, not necessarily lifting heavy weight, but being able to front squat well, front squat well is to be able to carry up all the way through your, through your, your uh, athletic development. So, um, you know, rudimentary, uh, plyometric and running, evolving and getting better at all the time. Um, I think important. Uh, and so when you see young athletes coming, they're either they're burnt out because they're not enjoying what they're doing. They're either bro- broken because is is just you know massively inappropriate, or actually what you went very high through adolescence, and then I see them in their early twenties when the big hip issues of what happened through, through adolescence. Um, and number three is but their sport, but they're not necessarily good athletes. Um, so just having that athletic development, that there's any amount of of research paper show now that important uh, in sport it, it helps their overall athletic development again doesn't mean that you need to play five sports 12 times a week uh, take your fights and have some variety of stimulus in, in what you're doing well, love that thank you for for sharing those four tips um, is there anything when it comes to developing a robust athlete that we haven't discussed before we start to wrap it up Ender that you'd like to to elaborate or to no, I, I, th- I, I think you know, I think when you're looking at robustness, it's, it's bringing it back to their sport. You know, it's, or the NFL or the the Premier League means different. And I think it, it's all always having that. You know, am I am I suitably conditioned in a sensible manner? Um, um, have I individual deficits that limit me more susceptible to developing and to your knee? pain or Achilles issues or whatever else um, and am I moving a little bit better whatever that means uh, at the end of every other month and I think if we're doing that in a sensible manner one of the best ways of being resilient is to stay continuously playing your sport in out is, is uh, when some of the greatest challenges are from a performance point of view. and I think just having that individualised consistency is uh, the athletes drive it is, is, is where the most successful come from. For sharing and, um, yeah, really appreciate uh, the tips and uh, advice that you, you've given both for strength edition coaches but also for young developing athletes or even mature athletes looking to prolong their career. Uh, in your work life, mate, do you have any pet peeves, anything sort of fires you up about the industry or the job itself? It's easy It's easy to, to see the, 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 not the plank in your own. I'd say that there's two things that I think um, that, uh, I've got better at not being here. I, I don't enjoy negative people. Those that have a you know a task oriented uh, um, mindset, I tend to get along better with. Um, and that, that craftsman's mindset that we were talking about. Um, I don't think you'd by being on social media, uh, picking holes in other people's work, big long threads, talking about stuff. I think you learn by by inter- um developing you know ways of, of, of with your colleagues and, and identifying where your individual deficits are uh, and blurring opinion on, on, on social media I've, I've got much better at pressing the mute button than I, it annoys me far less than it, than it used to um but I think focus on yourself and and where your strengths and weaknesses are and you bring the positive people who want to work with you be I think you you're, you're approved an ongoing basis and uh, favourite way to spend a day off um, some stage uh, as I get a little bit 
older and, and a little bit stiffer endorphins and the mobility going in the morning is usually good uh, certainly family time um, I have a wife and, and three young kids and, and they, they certainly bring the ego down and a good degree of reality to, to everything that you, you do um, because there's somewhere I think that, 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 that rounds it off pretty well yeah, it's a good day and then we're, we're recording this interview in July, so middle of 2023, what's on the horizon for the rest of the year? So there's plenty happening. What are you most excited about? Yeah, I suppose the the, the big landmark for us here in Aspatar ACL Rehabilitation Conference uh, uh, in November uh, attracted a, a really outstanding international faculty of, of world. I'm very excited about it as, as, as an attendee as, as much as anything else here is you get to build a program or invite the best in the world and just like they have to say so I'm incredibly excited about that, that and uh, new programs and, and facility redevelopments happening here for last time but uh, um, if you're looking for some winter sunshine uh, I can, there, there's very few uh, better places than us so um, hopefully we'll have to come and visit uh, and the ticket's still available for those that want to book yeah absolutely I, I can say I'm totally but if you go to the Aspatara website, um, there is a link there for the AS conference. And, and uh, we're a number of months out yet, but we're well over halfway towards the end of the summer. Things are going to pack out quite quickly. So there's discounted accommodation with our various uh, conference partners. So um, to come and travel. Very good. And for those that have follow-up questions, uh, where's the best place to, to catch you and, and ask some questions uh, and, and to connect? Yeah, I... Yeah, I'm, I'm passive in social media, pushing out any good content that I see from other people. Um, but certainly on Instagram, and if anyone ever sends me a question, I'm more than happy to, to follow up with the website as well. And uh, um, dashking.com, and research papers are up there and, and various points of contact as well. So um, about it, I, I definitely will get back to everyone. Um, but yeah, all it was welcome. Very good. Well, thanks again, Ender. And, and uh, yeah, well, for those listening in, you might be listening to the recording while driving the car. I know that's how I like to listen to my podcasts. You don't need to stress about the website and Ender's Instagram. If you're not following him already, we'll make sure to add those both those links to our show notes so you can easily access it there. And, uh, yeah, thank you again, Ender, for, for tuning in and sharing with us your, your time and your experiences in the industry. I took a lot from it and no doubt the listeners did as well. Uh, for those that tuned in halfway through this live, you can find the full interview on our youtube channel if you just search for pair like a pro in the live playlist section and we'll post it on our podcast itunes and spotify in the next two weeks our next live chat interview is with jonathan weekly that's next week it's july at 3 p.m so i'll see you guys then thanks again Ender. thank you very much jack keep up great work thank you if you enjoyed this episode and want even more our academy is for you the Prepare Like a Pro Academy is a platform that hosts exclusive features and bonus content such as a Q&A segment aimed at getting to know the guests on a more personal level. Here's an example with Emily Meehan, head sports dietitian from the Collingwood Football Club. What are things that, that fire you up? Oh, this one is always, uh, I suppose it is, um, it'll be topical for most people, I think, but staying in your lane and I yep. often find that with nutrition, everyone eats, so everyone has an opinion. And I think that's what really gets me 
fired up um, because so many people try and provide nutrition advice based on their end of one experience when they did intermittent fasting or keto or whatever it might be. And then game changes, sure yeah, game changes whatever that might be. And look, it probably keeps me in a job, but that it does drive me insane because yeah. sometimes the information can be so detrimental um, and opposite to what I've been working with my athlete or athletes and, you know, and because they hear it on someone's socials or through a documentary, it unravels everything that I've been working with an athlete for. Yeah, yeah. Another feature of our academy is the opportunity each week to join myself as co-host on the Prepare Like a Pro live chat show. Here's an example with Academy member Rama Davies, the strength conditioning coach at the Box Hill Hawks. Welcome, Rama, to the chat. Uh, Rama has also worked at, at Box Hill, or currently he's working at Box Hill Hawks with us, awesome. so he's another Box Hill man uh, in the strength and conditioning department. So I'll handle it over to you, Rama, to, to ask you a question, mate. Thanks for joining us. Excellent. Thanks, Jack. And, yeah, thanks, um, thanks Sam, for the chat. It was uh, I found it to be really insightful, plenty of gems in there. Um, and I enjoyed it a lot. Um, mate, my, my question to you was, you spoke a, a, quite a bit about um, perspective during that chat. Um, and I was wondering what are some of the things that you either know or um, do physically that um, you wish you either knew or did um, back at the beginning of your career? Uh, what are some of those things? Mm. Yeah, good question. Um, yeah, so I suppose with perspective on life, um, that sort of point, um, it yeah it certainly yeah has been massive for me now, and and didn't probably have that as much um, when I was younger. Um, I suppose one thing I might mention is is gratitude. I spend a lot of my mm. time um, doing a lot of gratitude exercises, listening to podcasts doing a, a journal every day just a bit to say what I'm grateful for sort of three things. And um, that's a fantastic way that I've been able to, yeah, like reset and, and just kind of gain that gratitude and perspective about, you know, that there is more to life than football or, you know, might be whatever as an SNC coach, you know, if something's you're having a hard time, um, it can be massive with just, yeah, opening your eyes a little bit and losing that sort of tunnel vision or being stuck in that, in that work bubble. Um, so that's, that's been huge. Um, I think I wish back then when I was younger, I asked more questions and was a bit more open to different things. Mm. I think I was a bit single-minded back then and, um, you know, I thought there was one way of doing things and, um, if I kind of didn't have that fear of, you know, asking a silly question or fear of judgment, it would have got me a lot further and I probably would have learned a lot quicker, um. And yeah. and yeah, like just, yeah, being open to sort of different things because um, you never know what you might find. It's just, yeah, there's so many people, like great people out there, knowledgeable people to learn off. And there's plenty more where that came from. If you would like to learn more, then enter patreon.com forward slash prepare like a pro or head to the link in our show notes. Thank you for listening to the Prepare Like a Pro podcast. If you like this episode, it'd be a massive help if you could like, follow, rate, give a review or even share with your mates. The show is recorded in Melbourne, Australia. Be sure to follow our Instagram page for all updates on our latest and greatest. If you would like to get in touch to suggest a guest, 
or advertise with the Prepare Like a Pro podcast, please email me at jack at preparelikeapro.com. Thanks so much for tuning in.